welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal, to inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. My guest today is Bill Karambellis. Bill is someone I've known personally for more than 25 years. I've watched his expression of faith grow, and more recently, in response to his calling from God, seen him make the bold move from a high-paying career in the tech industry to start his own business as a certified financial planner. You'll hear how God's activity is woven throughout Bill's story. Bill, thanks for joining me today. A pleasure, Tina. Happy to be with you. The way we get started is I would ask you to briefly share your faith background growing up. Sure. I grew up in Queens, New York. I'm Greek-American, so the Greek-American church, the Greek Orthodox church was a big part of my growing up. I attended Sunday school from a very young age. My parents were very active servants in the church. As an adult, uh, we moved from New New York to Maryland, and really when our kids came of age, we needed to get them in the church as well, so we joined a local Lutheran church, which is where we first met. I served in a variety of capacities, including the congregational president, eight years as the finance director, but what really matured my faith is becoming engaged in some serious and deep Bible studies that I've been involved in for decades now. And reading God's Word is what really transformed my mind and matured me and really helped me embrace my faith as an adult. There's nothing like the Word of God to really speak into our lives that starts to bring something more into being. It's a power in and of itself. Indeed, it's transformational. Would you describe what you're doing now and the experiences you had along the way that have led to to what this is? Sure. I spent a number of decades working in the high-tech world uh, right out of college, but that wasn't my passion. During that time, I engaged financial advisors on three different occasions. Each time I became disappointed with what they did for me. What I soon discovered is that they were really selling me stuff and they were more interested in their ends than mine. So I always said, one, I took the time to self-educate myself, but I said, If I ever have the chance, what I really want to do is serve other people and serve them in the way that I would have wanted to be served, which was, one, to have them know me really, really well, intimately, to understand my thoughts, desires, aspirations, hopes for my family, two, to work for me in a very rigorous way and do detailed work for me, and I don't know how else to say it, other than work with excellence, and... uh, Again, I finally availed myself of that opportunity and uh, you know, chose to go out and do that. So what am I doing now? Uh, I have a business. The name of the business is God's Business. It's Alpha Omega Financial. We do comprehensive financial planning uh, for individuals and couples and investment management to help them reach their goals as well. And how has your faith influenced what you're doing? You know, I, I guess from the very beginning, I really envision this as God's business. So let me describe Alpha Omega. It has a fourfold meaning, and I sometimes share this with some clients, at least the first three. So Alpha Omega first harkens back to my Greek-American heritage. 
second alpha omega, those letters are the equivalent of A to Z. So it's trying to embrace and explain the comprehensive nature of the financial planning we engage in, not just up front, but over the time of our relationship with our clients. Um, alpha, the third meaning of alpha is the elusive variable when you invest for clients. You're trying to get a little bit more return than the amount of risk that you're taking. It's kind of the holy grail of investing. And then the most important meaning and the one lost on some of our clients is just whose business it is. It belongs to the alpha and the omega. Again, what I find is about half of our clients are people of Christian faith, but we also serve you know, clients of other faiths and clients who are not in faith at all. Um, so again, I see that as part of our mission as well. It really begs the question for me of what, even in all of that you've said, what do you feel sets you differently apart from other investment advisors? I guess let me share some anecdotes with you as this business developed, because some of these things really, in my mind, were supernatural. So I really felt uh, that I was called to this. And one lesson I've learned about God is he equips the called, not the other way around. When I made a decision to go do this, I decided to pursue certain you know, credentials and qualifications. Typically, the studying for these takes about two years. I was able to do the studying in less than six months. And here's the supernatural part, working full-time in the high-tech world, but getting up seven days a week at 3.30 in the morning and studying to 8.30 in the morning, and then being able to go to work you know, with a full, full energy and do an honest day's work there as well. So I just know I was supernaturally enabled. I had even some guilt about not honoring the Sabbath, but God made it clear to me that that was okay. This was but for a season, and this was what he wanted me to do. I remember in the early days, because I was so committed to doing this the right way and what I felt was God's way, putting clients' interests ahead of our own always with a deep level of caring. But getting started, I remember calling people that I knew and just explaining what we did not soliciting them, but just explaining. And it was slow going. We're adding you know, maybe a client every six, seven weeks. And that was pretty slow going. I remember praying to God that if this is what he wanted me to do, that he would make it evident that this was the right path. And again, in almost a supernatural way, we picked up seven, seven clients came and said yes in about a 10-day period. And I can tell you that's not how this industry works, and that's not how you onboard clients. So again, it was a powerful affirmation that this is what I was supposed to do. So you ask me what's different about what I do. Uh, I guess we try to evidence Christ's invisible qualities. You know, he came here not to be served, but to serve others, to put their interests ahead of their own, and to act in a sacrificial way. We do those things, we attempt to do those things, but also the conversations we have with clients up front. It's not just about math. In fact, I can tell you financial planning is about half math, but the other half, even the more important half, is about people understanding who they are, where they come from, what keeps them up at night, what concerns they have, their aspirations, and, and so on. And you need to get to know them intimately. And we invest the time up front uh, to do that before we start you know, doing the calculations and rendering the math, if you would. So I think those are the things that make me different. 
And uh, it's been affirmed again and again. You know, clients tell us, you know, not just how pleased they are, but how different the approach we take is. My hope is, and we've seen some of this, is that we're ref- reflecting, if not perfectly, at least some of Christ's flight. You know, we can be convicted of being radically different in terms of how we engage with others. And uh, then the hope is that they come and ask why. And that gives us the opportunity to talk about that fourth-fold meaning of Alpha Omega. And it's just very, very uh, powerful, encouraging, and rewarding when you get there. Have those doors opened up to have some of those conversations? Oh, definitely. Much like Paul, who was Saul, mission was to the unchurched and to bring the good news. I think in some ways, where I worked in high tech, that was hard ground in terms of faith. Typically, I find the STEM community is harder ground in terms of faith. Yes, we've had some of those conversations and some people have come to Christ. I can't say I just did my part in it. It's very, very rewarding when you see that happen and to be a part of it as well. I guess we should all be ministers. You're a nation of priests, it says, and indeed, we each have our role. I find the, the deposits of those seeds of grace and seeds of faith come in all kinds of ways in operating with a, a value of integrity in whatever we do that really puts other people first and says, I honor you, and I really want the best for you, and everything that I do, I'm going to do my best to demonstrate that to you. It comes from a place of caring and love for other people and love for God that flows through. I, I think of those like seeds that deposit on the human heart. In God's time, have a way of germinating and beginning to blossom. So it's a blessing when we get to see that and see evidence of it. It's incredibly rewarding. Um, I remember uh, being challenged one time hearing, I think it was in reference to Billy Graham, how many souls do you think are in heaven because of what this person did? And when I kind of tried to measure myself up by that, I said, hmm, compared to Billy Graham, I guess probably not that many. But you know what? I know what I'm called to do. I know I'm called how I'm called to conduct myself, to give evidence. And when asked open witness, I just need to do what I'm called to do. And uh, God can use that. And indeed, we've seen evidence of fruit. So it's very rewarding when that happens. An author I was reading talked about the, a perspective of just loving the one in front of us. And, you know, for each one of us, we encounter people in whatever way that we do. I guess I don't think of it in terms of comparing in any way, but saying, have I, have I loved the people in front of me every day to the best of my ability? And where I failed, you know, how do I own that and rectify that as best that I can in relationship and be able to do that well every day? As it pertains to faith, what are some lessons that the people you serve have taught you? One client in particular, uh, just a super individual, what he taught me is you never retire from serving God. You know, he was a good 10 years older than me, a mentor as well. He actually uh, was a Billy Graham-trained first responder. He did a lot in prison ministry as well. Just a super individual. So you never retire. You don't even think about retiring. You may change uh, the form or the method in which you serve. Even as he looked forward to eternity, he knew that he'd be called to serve there as well. So it's that lifelong service idea. So that was one of the more powerful things that I was taught. Are there particular scriptures that were core into the formation of your business? The the answer is yes, without question. 
I found two of the three books of Solomon to be very helpful to me, the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, I think they're just crammed full of practical advice for how to live your life, how to conduct your business, you know, those scriptures in particular. And also uh, Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When I stepped out to go start this business, it wasn't easy. I left a very high paying job in the uh, world of technology. I had a daughter who was in Johns Hopkins University and we were paying you know, the full ride for her to go there. So we had a period of you know, high expenses. And overnight, my income went from substantial to almost nothing. I found myself with a lot of prayers and a lot of days on my knees uh, because it was a period of deep need. I even tell you that wanting to be a financial advisor was right in the front of my mind that if I'm going to lead other people in you know, matters of their finances, that I had to be of the highest integrity. And that was one of my highest qualities as well. So despite that period of uh, you know, low income, I needed to maintain my giving as well. And, and that was one of the challenges that I felt that I was called to. That really helped frame my thinking and guide us. How did that season impact your faith and your relationship with God? From a very practical standpoint, because the need was so great, and I saw God acting, again, in these supernatural ways repeatedly, uh, it just affirmed and reaffirmed and reaffirmed you know, my faith. I find it ironic that people who don't know God, they look every place for Him and can't find Him. Yet I feel I see Him in the middle of our affairs every day, whether it's just as you're communicating with a person that you know you've really connected with them and deeply understand them and they firm that back. Sometimes it's just how I lay out my schedule. God already knows he has a different plan. And when I get there, I see evidence of his different design and just having the flexibility and the grace to go along with wherever that is being led for the day. Despite my incredible analytical nature, very methodically laying out my calendar, I think sometimes that entertains the Lord and he has a different plan that I just need to learn and go with. In the work that I'm doing, we constantly remind each other that, you know, we have our plans, but God has his and his always trumps ours. So, you know, we just have to be attentive to where God is and how we follow that and, and stay attentive to it as we do our work. Yeah, I, I agree. Part of what we do is take, I find myself engaged in is uh, taking many, many different data points and together they create a complex picture. And then how do you fold them together and deliver a simple but comprehensive message? And again, it's a, both a gift I've been given, but also I feel at times that God's the co-author. He literally comes fingers on the keyboard and mouse and just you know helps me lay it out. And it comes out, it flows out, and it's right the first time you feel very empowered. When I was uh, the finance director uh, for the church, felt that same kind of working hand in hand. I sometimes describe it almost like the record, which I know is very old at this time, but it only had one track, one groove. But when you're in the right place, it makes sweet music. And it's just a joyful thing to get used that way. That is so true. And really, that's a good illustration of just staying in the groove where there's the sweet music is. I'm wondering what you're learning about yourself as you made the transition, wrestled through the early parts of it, what you're seeing now. What, what are you learning about yourself? I'm learning 
to live what I consider to be a mature Christian faith. I've just seen my confidence, you know, grow by leap and bounds. As you work alongside the Lord, what's affirmed again and again is the life's calling work that you were meant to do. It's just incredibly rewarding. One of people's greatest fears is fears of scarcity. This is common across age groups and genders, but it's worry about insufficiency and running out. And that's a big part of what we do in terms of retirement planning. And even if I can't see the next five steps, I know God already has. And I trust and depend that it's going to be even better than what I might have conceived of. So I find myself living more and more an abundant life with peace and confidence. I stay connected more and more just as a process of learning to God's Word and staying in it on a you know, regular basis. I kind of say think, well, we should bathe every day and eat every day and stay in God's Word every day, and it becomes a habit when you've done it long enough. You know, Tina, one of the things that I've learned, a lot of people want to know what God's will for them is. And what they're really asking is, what's that very narrow path, the one thing that God wants me to do at this point, or what's that narrow path he wants me to try? And uh, I actually thought like that. I was even afraid of it, because what if he picked the thing that I didn't want to do? That would be a real you know, problem for me because I'd be working against God's will. And then this idea, you know, I have two adult daughters, and as they were being raised in school, we never told them what we wanted them to do. Yeah, we told them what was right and what was wrong, but within the realm of right, there's a wide variety of things they could choose from. And that's what I wanted for them. And to realize, to be able to use the gifts and talents in whatever profession, or vocation that they chose, or whatever the life calling was. It didn't have to be professional. And I think the same thing applies for our Heavenly Father. It's not this very narrow, defined, uh, only single path, one foot in front of the other. He wants us to blossom. And that's, I think, rewards uh, in his heart as well. And we have, he has a variety of ways that he can use us to serve us. And he gives us significant and uh, meaningful flexibility. There are many things we could choose to serve him. And whichever path we choose, he'll know how to apply it to further his kingdom work. So I think we're made in his image. Specifically, that comes down to free will and the freedom of choice that he wants us to have. So, yeah, I guess I feared that thing. And now I see it differently. I think he made us, not to the extent he is creators, but we are creators as well. And we can define a wide variety of not single paths, but many paths through our life that are successful and serve him. And I, don't know, I just found it so encouraging and enabling versus the fear I had. Well, what if he called me to do this and I don't want to do that? So that's been, I think, part of the growth and development that I've experienced and just seen affirmed again and again. So, yeah, is God sovereign and fully in charge? Yes. Do we fully enjoy free will as well? Yes. How do we reconcile that? I don't know, but I live it every day and I see it and it's true. I feel like the simplicity of that, and by that I don't mean simplistic, is what Jesus referred to as the two greatest commandments. Lord, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. To me, that's God's will, that we love, love God with our whole being and that we reflect as best we can, that to other people. It, that's the simple part. So that's, that's the narrow door. And 
you go through that door and it doesn't matter what you choose to do. All of them are right as long as the way you're doing it is in that way. And so each of us have aptitudes and abilities and skill sets and experiences that give us the opportunity to do that in in a myriad of ways. You know, the way you are doing it is through financial planning and partnering with people in that way. And other people are running nonprofits. They're leading church ministries. I mean, there's so many different ways to be able to do that same thing. Describe what joy looks like. You know, when I use that metaphor of being in the groove, that's it, to be used for the, with the gifts and for the purpose that God, the gifts that God gave you and the purpose he gave you to use them and to be fulfilling that. It's just incredibly joyful. One, not just for yourself, but when it impacts other people and you see the impact it has in people's lives. You know, we get into some very, very serious, uh, you know, and deep needs. I'll give you just one example. I had a husband and wife that I worked with uh, a number of years back. The husband had a rare form of very aggressive cancer, and he was already a miracle that he'd survived as long as he had. Their finances were not in order. We were able to reorder them. They really did the hard work, the heavy lifting, but they changed their thinking after we met. They paid off their bad debt. They ended up buying a second home to rent out, which they quickly paid off in full. That home would become her permanent residence if and when something happened to him. Without all the details, it was transformational. Their behavior changed literally overnight because they became convinced and compelled that this is what they needed to do to make things right for the two of them. So, yeah, we were the catalyst to help make that happen, and that's very rewarding. I have to imagine the joy in seeing someone move from uncertainty and in in a lot of areas, I mean, the potential, the pending potential death of a spouse, and we're all going to experience that in some way or another, and what's life going to look like after to take something that's in disorder, have models that you are able to bring to people, see them be able to do the heavy lifting and implement it, and now walk in a different confidence that says, well, whatever is going to happen is going to happen, but my life is in order and it's okay. And I'm imagining with a sense that God was in that, helping them put that all together too. Indeed. And as I said, the math is part of it, but causing the behavioral part of it is just as important. Understanding who they were, where they came from, what their worries were, and then crafting and engineering the right plan that they would actually be successful implementing. They took a hold of it and ran with it, and and just incredibly rewarding, and it brought them peace of mind despite the ongoing uncertainty of the husband's health, indeed. So, Bill, you and I have known each other for a lot of years. I'm going to venture to say maybe 25 or more. I have watched how your own expression of faith has grown and developed over these years. How might you describe the differences in the ways you express your faith today? and how that's grown and developed for you over the years? I guess I'd say I feel as if we're Christ's ambassadors, 24 by 7, in everyone that we encounter. If you go to the store, the clerk, how you interact with them, they're not often served and treated well. People tend to throw their money at them. Even that, um, I'm very careful to carefully place it in their hand, you know, respectfully. They're human beings. They need to be, you know, loved on too. 
So in every encounter and every action, and I'll even abstract it more, the policies of how we conduct our business, it just permeates the, uh, that Christian attitude. It just permeate. We try to have it permeate through and reflect with each person, whether they're clients, not clients. I'll, I'll answer a different way as well. So that's more tacit, implicit. It's just baked in the fabric of everything that we do. But another thing that I've learned also is after you've done those things and people say, hey, something's different, and they ask, you have to be ready to give a good answer and a complete answer that not just in general points to Christ, but very specifically does. And there, I guess what I've learned is we've gone through some very hard times with friends and family when they've lost you know, young adult children to accident or illness and in other very difficult circumstances. And what I have found is instead of, I think the world's way is you want to leave people alone because you're uncomfortable about going there, but that's when the need is greatest. So we've been enabled to go come alongside those people, pray with them. Even when I work in places where faith is not welcome, I've never had a person turn me down when they're in crisis and I offer to pray with them. They've all said yes, 100%, but you need to be bold enough to ask. So I think in some ways I've learned to be you know, more fearless and to go places where others don't, you know, aren't comfortable going to speak and to ask. Uh, in fact, that's when faith is needed the most is in those times of crisis. And that's actually, I find, when people are most approachable as well in their deep period of need. So... I guess that's how I've seen things mature and how I've been matured. It's wonderful to be used at those times and in those places because it really matters. The gift of presence is, we can't discount the tremendous value of that in stepping into a relationship of genuine care and concern. I really have a belief that our own deep relationship with God. You've talked about the, the value of being in the Word, and I've started to look at the Word as God's part of the conversation. So entering into that conversation every day where God's pouring some words in and helping us really understand who God is, appropriate that into our lives, and then having the blessing to be able to step into the relationships with other people in a way that we can communicate how deeply they are cared for and loved, if w- even what they see is just how we care for them at a beginning place, and having the opportunity then to be able to express the reason for the hope. Thank you for being bold enough to step in and enter relationships in that way to care for people with the heart of God. That's such a, such a precious and valuable thing. It's great to be used by God to do His work and uh, just incredibly rewarding personally as well. One of my hopes with this podcast is to encourage folks who may feel a stirring that God may be calling them towards something and feeling timid about it. So if you could give a word of encouragement to someone feeling a nudge from God to express their faith more openly, and maybe they're feeling timid about that, what encouragement might might you give them? When I've had people in times of crisis and in times of tremendous need, and I've gone and offered to pray with them, I've never been turned down by it. I also find that, well, there is a leap of faith that has to be made. It doesn't have to be a giant leap. You can take a small step. I find that if God, that's what he wants, it'll be affirmed. And then it gives you the courage to take the second step. 
and so on. So it's step affirmation, step affirmation. Again, that's been my experience. When you repeat that pattern, it breeds you know, confidence and strengthens one's courage, but you have to start someplace. Journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. Take the step. Bill, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, how could they reach you? Sure, Tina. It's going to be either an email or a phone call. Either would be great. So we'll list all those in the show notes. So if you wanted to reach out to Bill, you'll have a way to do that. Bill, I really appreciate you joining me today. I can imagine in the context of your business, this is a really different kind of conversation, not the typical conversations that you have with clients. And I, I, I want to express my thanks in your openness of talking about where God is in your business and how you see God through your business and the way that you have the blessing of serving people. I really appreciate you joining me. It was a delight. Thank you, Tina. I appreciate the way Bill seeks to serve people God's way with the gifts that he has to the best of his abilities and with an awareness that God is always at work in people's lives, his own life and the lives of others. While he doesn't have to be overt, as people ask, he has the ability to speak of God's grace openly. And he opens those doors often by stepping into the hard places in people's lives, offering compassion, care, and prayer. And as he said, even in the hard place of the tech industry, people still appreciated being cared about and cared for. Each of these conversations prompts questions for me. When I asked Bill what sets his business apart from other financial planners, he responded by saying, We try to evidence Christ's invisible qualities, knowing that Jesus came to serve and not to be served. You and I have that same opportunity in our own lives. So today, I invite you to consider the ways you're evidencing Christ's invisible qualities through your own life and work. If you'd like to share, I invite you to join us in the Faithful Innovations private Facebook group and tell us what God may be stirring in you. We look forward to greeting you and hearing how God is working in your life. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.